1: Maureen Metcalf.
2: Hi, welcome to Innovative Leaders Striving Thriving Organizations. I'm your host, Maureen Metcalf, and I'm delighted to be recording live from the International Leadership Association Conference in Atlanta. I am the founder and CEO of Metcalf and Associates. I work with leaders in their organizations, identifying the trends that will most likely disrupt their businesses and work with them to develop strategies and business and leadership practices that leverage those trends and create strategic advantage. I'm a regular contributor to Forbes and the lead author of an award-winning book series focusing on innovating how you lead and transforming your organizations. I'm also an adjunct faculty member with universities in the US and Germany. We talk about the rate of change in our current world. And according to Ray Kurzweil, we anticipate that technology change in this century will be 20,000 times the rate of the last century. And what that really means for leaders is that we will have to metabolize these changes, identify which ones impact our industries and create solutions that enable our businesses to, to continue to thrive without being derailed it also means that the complexity of these changes is continuing to increase so our complexity as leaders needs to correspondingly increase and that's really a lot of the impetus behind this work is helping leaders innovate how they lead or specifically change their business practices, their leadership practices, their leadership behaviors in a way that corresponds with the the environmental changes that we're all facing, such that their organizations will be better off with these changes rather than getting derailed. In addition to sharing models and our experiences, I invite you to listen for something from each of the presenters that you might want to implement in your own lives. I talk about leaders moving from command and control, but toward what? It's the mind of the scientist. As I am faced with these changes, how do I know what to do, how to do it, when to do it? And for most of us, we are creating the leading practices. We no longer have books to go to that define what is best, that's in our court. So how, as a leader, do I go from being a great student of the Masters to becoming one of the Masters? And I will be sharing information from some of those Masters for you to leverage such that you become one of the Masters. So I invite you to listen each week for something that you can implement in your own leadership and test it out. And I would love to hear back from you if you find something that was particularly useful. Either email me at infometcalf associatescom or visit our Facebook page, Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations. I would love to share your successes and lessons learned with our listeners.
3: Hi, I'm Cynthia Cherry, President and CEO of the International Leadership Association, which is a global network of all those who study, teach, and practice leadership. Our members come from all over the world, from every sector, and from every discipline. But the uniqueness of the ILA is that we work at the intersection of theory and practice. And so we come together at an annual global conference every year as thought leaders to share knowledge and best practices, to learn from each other, to generate new knowledge and best practices for the greater good of individuals and communities in this ever increasing complex and interdependent world of ours. Please enjoy Cynthia as she kicks
2: off this segment of interviews with her own wrap up of the conference.
1: Move forward with Metcalf and Associates. Visit metcalf-associates.com.
0: Search Voice America at your favorite app store.
5: the bottom line in business talk.
1: You are listening to Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations. To reach Maureen Metcalf or her guest today, please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to info at Metcalf-Associates.com. Now, back to this week's program.
2: This is Maureen Metcalf, Innovative Leaders Driving thriving Organizations. We are live from the International Leadership Association Conference, and we are joined right now by Cynthia Cherry, the CEO of the ILA. And so, Cynthia, we're just wrapping up the conference. I know we're both exhausted. (laughs) But I wanted to talk about why the ILA? Why would someone want to listen to, because we have, we've recorded about eight hours of interviews. So this is really the framing and invitation for someone to step out of their ongoing practice of leadership and invest some time in looking and listening to
3: what others are doing. So what's your invitation to them? No. Maureen, thank you again for us. And yes, as you and I are having this conversation right next door, they're packing up the boxes for the conference from the past three days. I have to thank you for doing these interviews um, because what you have done is you are really allowing your listeners to get a small taste of the experience of what took place at Mm -hmm. this 18th annual global conference. And... um, From the interviews that you did, and also listening to the keynotes and the other workshop leaders, I think this is really a way, if you are a thought leader, you want to listen to these podcasts because they give you great insight into the latest thinking around leadership and also. the the struggles of really effective leadership. So
2: one of the competencies we talk about in the Leader 2050 book of leaders of the future or the most effective leaders is intellectual versatility and being exposed to thoughts about leadership that may be different than I grew up with. And we talked about, I think one of the people I interviewed said, the conversations outside of the room are often the most contentious and not contentious in a combative way, but as much as they're causing me to question my own views. And I'm actually updating my own thinking, which is painful sometimes. Yes. So can you share a little bit about those conversations and why it's worth engaging in them? Why do, why do people who are thought leaders in their fields take off to come here to refresh and
3: really evolve the practice and science of leadership. When you bring up the words intellectual versatility it makes Mm -hmm. me think of elasticity and when you think about elasticity there is this stretching that needs to happen. I think when people come to the ILA conference It Mm -hmm. helps to stretch their views, to really push the boundaries of their thinking. Also, involve them and engage them in people who are very different than who they are. Mm -hmm. And we all learn from difference and so i mean it's easy for us to keep hearing from the people that we agree with i used to tell my students if all your friends agree with you all the time go find new friends right (laughs) so there's a sense of we all need in this environment Mm -hmm. to keep learning the best way to keep learning is to be engaged with others that can help to stretch how we think about things and Mm -hmm. even challenge how we think about things one of the Concepts that I share with individuals at the Island Conference is that they need to suspend their beliefs in order to deepen their mm-hmm. beliefs. And there's a time when they have to really step back and question, right? Also, question if there is a concept or um, a practice that offends them mm. or they're struggling with. You know, the first question to ask is, why is this difficult for me? before we shut down on it. And I think Mm -hmm. what the ILA conference allows individuals to do is it gives a space for individuals to come together. I would call it more of a collaboratory, if you will. This laboratory that's also collaborative, that allows people to share ideas with each other, to learn from each other, to challenge each other and then also to go back and generate new knowledge, do new research projects Mm -hmm. and look at new and effective and different practices. But the thing they learn here is they do that with each other. And so Mm -hmm. we'll often get two or three individuals who did not know each other. Mm -hmm. all of a sudden find that they may be very different in terms of the work they do, but they have a very common interest around one area of leadership.
2: An example, and and we'll share this in the interviews, is... Gil and your, um, the example, and so they're talking about and experimenting with e-leadership. So, if I am within a global organization, how do I manage people across the world with whom I work but never see? In some cases, we'll never meet in person. Cool. And, and so they're creating practices at this point and studying the efficacy of what they're doing.
3: I mean, look, at, there's two levels to that work. The first is you have a scholar been thinking about this and Mm -hmm. doing some writing about it. Mm -hmm. And you have a practitioner who really has to develop leadership programs. And the two of them would not have met and probably would have thought, okay. this is an academic side. So i don't mm-hmm. to do with it. I don't but need those what things. they discover is they really have so much in common mm-hmm. and a common purpose of looking at e-leadership and they like each other because they got mm-hmm. to know each other and mm-hmm. now they're working together and one is from the states and the other one is from the netherlands and and brussels so this space helps to generate new relationships mm-hmm. and from those new relationships and
2: networks mm-hmm. and new ideas. Mm-hmm. So back to the idea of intellectual versatility and your idea of of the band stretching and, and releasing. And we do come to the conference and we stretch and then we go back to work and do what we can do, and then we listen to a webinar um, once a month or however often we can pop in. Um, And we listen to, hopefully, a radio show, (laughs) pick up a book. Um, So there is that ongoing practice, hopefully, and that's certainly my work is inviting people to also to continue to learn And I I like the idea that the ILA is evolving the science of leadership and the practice of leadership. For those of us who make our living as leaders, we're expected to understand the industries in which we operate. But again, we are not always held to the same standard of understanding what's evolving in our specific practice. We, we go through college and we occasionally pick up a book or do something, and yet we don't study this practice that's evolving very quickly. You know, I've learned a ton of things in the last couple of days that I hadn't considered, and I learned them frankly through the interviews, that I hadn't either considered or integrated in the way I am now. So let's switch as we're um, about halfway through our conversation. Uh, Catherine did a weaving this morning, as did someone else, about biggest takeaways from the conference. So as the preview for people listening to the podcasts, what are some of the takeaways? And you and I all bounce between each other. Were there any themes that seemed to weave between them or conversations you had outside of the rooms that really stood out as most poignant right now? And one for me is at this point in history, so we're recording this right before the U.S. election. Mm-hmm. By the time people listen to it, we will know who the president is. Mm-hmm. But the, the one, the hopefulness here compared to the disenfranchisement with much of our population, what are we seeing as we come together that people are getting hopeful, that we're creating solutions to the problems that our politicians are addressing.
3: If we're looking at political leadership, right, we're looking at some of these complex, wicked problems, not only in the United States, but have been cited all over the world. Mm -hmm. I think you would hear from a number of the scholars who are here that um, there is a real struggle about effective leadership in the world today, and um, one of the things that I talked about in my opening remarks was in this global world of ours that, and the more interdependent we become, and the more mm. complex we are, and this is the work mm. that you do as well, mm. that we don't know what type of leadership we don't have the right toolkit right now to really look at what. It is in the world that is needed in terms of effective global leadership. George Papadreou, the former Prime Minister of Greece, talked about this in his remarks. In that, it is a challenging time to be in a political leadership role. And Ronnie talked about that. Ron Heifetz talked. <laughs> sorry, I Ron Heifetz talked about this in his remarks, in terms of the importance of trust.
2: And as did George. The trust is the foundation as we're working with people with whom we consider enemies or foes or not allies. The first step is to find a place where we
3: can, t- the kernel of trust. The kernel of trust. And build on that. That was one of those themes that i Hmm. Mm-hmm. We're reading another one that, that i heard was and it was around the theme of the dynamics of inclusive mm-hmm, leadership. Mm-hmm. First, it's very challenging, right? There are challenges mm-hmm. to inclusive leadership, and inclusive leadership does not mean we all agree with each other. I, I think that's a really important point.
2: point. This is not the conference in fairy dust and kumbaya. We are, cool? op- <laughs> this is that not cool? that at all. This is hard researchers, or hardcore researchers, looking at the wicked problems and people like Ron Heifetz who are saying I've got to step on the balcony and I've got it, this problem is going to work me as much as I'm going to work it. I am going to walk away from solving a problem as a different human being. My meaning making may change, how how I make sense of
3: everything because of this one problem. Exactly. And the other thing is we have to quit deifying leadership you just mentioned. hard work it sure is and so getting away from the sense that everything is and even charismatic leadership Mm -hmm. is a bad rap but the fact that leadership is hard work, the practicing it, even the study of it is challenging, and, and so is the teaching of it and the education of it, and all of that is really important for us to be doing today. Mm-hmm. That's what coming together. You you sense this and saw this and observed it. Um, is that there are people who are so different from each other who are at this conference? Mm-hmm. Come here from all over the world who come from every type of work situation and also think about leadership differently. Yeah, but they're all interested in the study practice of effective leadership that is really based in sound research an evidence-based impact and they have a passion for not the quick fix right being able to really dive deep into what it is about leadership what is it we need to know about and basing it in very good sound solid research it's not the quick fix you know as you say that one of the things i hear is the courage
2: it takes to say i don't know Mm -hmm. I'm not sure how I'm going to figure it out, I'm going to step back and do the research, which means I don't, I can't answer this right now. We're going to create a solution that doesn't exist, to think differently, to behave differently, to interact with people across the globe that I may have seen as those people. Mike Hardy talked about our identity as, you know, I, I see myself as a white man with this religion living on this continent. And now he used this example over drinks last night, but,
3: um, you know, as I, order, the best, you.
2: I, as I order a drink and I want a screwdriver with some chambord in it or something. I don't get three little glasses. In in the bar, they throw them all together with ice and they shake them up. And yet, as humans... I'm a this and I'm a that and I'm a that. What happens if my identity gets shaken up and I do see myself, something we talked about earlier, as a global citizen, not that I leave behind my country of origin or the group, my family, or my religion, but that as the priority, I can be living in a global community and and place that as one of my key values. Peace and this, I mean, there, there's the kumbaya, wouldn't it be nice if we're all happy? And that's not what I'm talking about. But what are, what are the changes in how we think about ourselves that allow us to live in an interconnected world? Because it's interconnected. The you know, things that happen in China, they hold, what, half of the U.S. debt? we can't get away from, we can ignore, but that doesn't change the fact that there's a huge risk if that relationship is damaged. Well, the
3: interdependency, as you mentioned, the complexity, is there um, I think the other is one of the skills in addition to intellectual um, versatility uh, is that whole sense of global acumen, Mm -hmm. global acuity. um, Or um, this global mindset because it's not always about that sense of where you live but it's about how you experience the world and you take a holistic worldview I think- that's one of the things that we do quite well. The island is we challenge that singular, siloed mindset. Because what we are all about is the bringing together, the intersections, mm-hmm. the intersectionality of work, the integration of work. That's why even at the conference, we frame the conference at the beginning, saying that you are going to experience dissonance, you're going to experience harmony. It's a designed in, right? It's we want you to experience in. both. Exactly. And at the end, we have a conference weaver who uh-huh. wants to create these threads, as you mentioned. And this year we had one on prose and poetry. Mm-hmm. So one of our members created a, a poem around the entire experience. Mm-hmm. And another member, our conference chair, um, Uh, ILA board chair created it around the pros and really wove it all together in a a beautiful Mm -hmm, way mm -hmm. in that way you have bookends Mm -hmm. but in the middle it's all about each and every member and how they experience each other and this conference in a way that challenges them, Mm -hmm. affirms them but leaves them with hopefully an additional sense of resources and even more importantly networks around the globe Mm -hmm. to help us Mm -hmm. all collectively make this impact Mm -hmm. and perhaps through the collective research and the collective Mm -hmm. conversations around the effective practice we can make a difference, right? If it's in a local community or if it's in the global community. But anything you do in a local local community has Mm -hmm. implications globally. So I want to invite
2: listeners who may never imagine themselves attending a big leadership conference, Mm -hmm. especially around the world, Mm -hmm. to still consider the ILA and membership. There are webinars, there are books, there are opportunities to write papers. There are all kinds of activities for people to engage. When I first joined, I... I didn't plan to attend a global conference. I never imagined writing a chapter in a book. I was writing my own books, but I didn't imagine writing in that way. And it was a beautiful opportunity. I'm hoping to continue to contribute in the writing space. The doors it opens and the thought-provoking interactions are really helping me, even as someone who's pretty much embedded in leadership, really update my own algorithms. So the interview with Mike Hardy this morning, I made my own commitment for what what am I going to report in next year when I talk to Mike and what progress will I have made? So I ask listeners every week, what are you going to try? What are you going to put into practice? And this was about when I look at people who appear different, am I seeing first a beautiful human being or am I seeing difference and asking myself the question, are they safe? As soon as they're other, now I have to move back from that. That will be one
3: of my experiments. Interesting and I think of one of the wonderful things is it is what happens outside of that. We we get to see a former prime minister having a conversation with a scholar and the Mm -hmm. two of them really reflecting together in front of an entire audience and you become a part of that conversation. Mm-hmm. And I felt like it was an extension from the dinner the night before. So you were mm-hmm. at the bar. The dinner, we had Ron Heifetz and George Papadreo having a conversation about um, political leadership and the struggles that we all went through, through our lives to get to this point and why leadership is so important. And I felt like the conversation this morning was just a continuation of our conversation the night before, Mm -hmm. it felt intimate, it felt like through that, it was like having a dinner conversation. We were all Mm -hmm. breaking bread together, we were challenging each other, Mm -hmm. but we came away with, for me, this renewed sense of the work that we Mm -hmm. do on a day-to-day basis and the importance of coming to Brussels next year. I can think of no better place than continuing this conversation around leadership in turbulent times. Um, which we are all in at yeah, this point, yeah. but what better place than in the EU, mm-hmm. the European Union, to use and talk about leadership, not just there, but if you think about the keynotes we had, we had someone who was talking about leadership in Africa, leadership in Greece, leadership in the States, but there were themes, right? We're all struggling together in this globally interdependent world of ours. And let's close on that. We are all struggling together, and I would say to
2: improve this globally interdependent world. And we invite you as our listeners to participate in the conversation. So email us, post something on our Facebook site. So the email is info at metcalf-associates.com. The Facebook is Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations and join the ILA. So the address for that is www.ila-net.org. So wwwila net dot org. Please consider looking at the resources and enjoy the conversations that we will share with you over the next couple of months. And I did my best to pull from what I was enjoying and learning um, with these brilliant thought leaders.
1: Move forward with Metcalf and Associates. Visit
5: metcalf-associates.com.
1: are listening to Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations. To reach Maureen Metcalf or her guests today, please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to info at metcalf-associates.com. Now, back to this week's program.
2: Hi, today's guest is A.J. Bramdow. He is in his current role works as the African Union ambassador to the EU. He's working to overcome the historic legacy of relations between Africa and Europe in order to establish a more mutually beneficial exchange between the two continents, particularly in recent years in terms of migration. He's also engaged in ensuring that Africa's voice carries weight within the larger global systems of governments such as the United Nations and global conversations around peace and security. So <laughs> in a very short interview, we're going to talk a little bit more about what is most interesting to you right now, AJ.
6: Well, firstly, let me thank you, Maureen, and a very good morning to the listeners. Um, well, for me, the critical issues are how do we try and shape and define a world a system of governance where all of us can have a say in the type of world we would live in we are all products of history and the legacy of history obviously would uh, impact upon where we find ourselves as people society countries and regions and so africa and europe have this uh, history which is a bittersweet history, to say the least. And um, of course, in our diplomatic relations, trade relations, and so forth, which are assuming increasingly um, a more important role, we are trying to balance the interests of both continents and the people of both continents so that it's a relationship which will be mutually beneficial. Now, of course, we are also mindful of the fact that we are operating within a global system of governance which isn't necessarily perfect, and which would constantly, if it is to be dynamic and relevant, need to be modified, need to be reformed. And this would then give all the people of all the continents an almost equal say in the manner in which we run our affairs. So
2: modifying and reforming global governance is obviously a big undertaking. Where do you start? Where do you
6: personally focus? Well, I think when we look at the thematic issues which we are dealing with on a day-to-day basis, such as the issue of migration, which you mentioned, Mm -hmm. that is very topical at the moment. It's topical here in the United Mm -hmm. States when it comes to the current campaigns over the presidential election to Mm -hmm. be held next week. And both candidates and both parties, the Republicans and the Democrats, Mm -hmm. are pronouncing themselves as to how they view the issue of migration. With us, In Africa, migration has always been taking place within our continent Mm -hmm. as well as between our continent and other continents. Mm -hmm. Now, at the moment, I must say that we are rather disheartened by the manner in which the issue of migration is being discussed.
2: Globally or specifically in the U.S.?
6: Well, I think more specifically when it comes to the European Union, Because, you know, the proximity of Africa to the European continent is just 12 kilometers that separates us at the Straits of Gibraltar. Mm -hmm. And so most of our people, when they are fleeing conflict, persecution, poverty, and they are seeking a better life for themselves and the families. They are looking to get a better life in the nearest possible place, and Europe is very attractive to them. So most of them, and, and I speak relatively here, most of them would go across the Mediterranean Sea,
5: mm-hmm.
6: particularly because they cannot find the legal means and channels of moving between Africa and Europe. Okay, Those channels are extremely inaccessible, mm-hmm. unaffordable, and the criteria used to allow for mobility of people into Europe is so strict that mm-hmm. it's uh, almost impossible to get in, and legally. legally. Okay. So in desperation, people now of course become uh, victims once again because they have to submit to the human and, uh, traffickers Traffic and game. smugglers. Wow. So it becomes a situation of people who are desperate to flee their own mm-hmm. countries. And this is an issue of safety, right? This isn't
2: preference. This is. No, definitely not.
6: This is, I want my children to live through a normal course of life. Precisely. You know, I don't think anyone just wakes up one day and says, I, I <laughs> am going to flee my, my home country. And, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, so it's circumstances which are beyond their control mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. forces them to take such decisions. And quite honestly, throughout history maureen people have been engaged in mass movements within continents across continents and so forth and the most recent um, migration on a massive level took place after world war ii when the people of europe moved in all directions particularly into this south american continent millions of people went resettled started lives again and so forth Mm -hmm. Now, this may have been during the colonial era, so it made it easier for people to move. But here are people who are coming because they don't have any other choice. No other option is available. One can certainly understand the concern, the security concern, that European governments would have. But these need to be balanced with humanitarian concerns, Mm -hmm. you know. And this is basically where the debate is at the moment. Should Europe seek to protect its own interests, its own Mm -hmm. infrastructure, way of life, religion, value system, and Mm -hmm. shut out people Mm -hmm. who want to come and integrate and work hard to make that society work. Africa has a youthful population. Europe has an aging population. Mm -hmm. So the demographics themselves um, could be of assistance to -hmm. the European Mm -hmm. continent. Um, If the European economy is to recover from the current financial crisis and economic crisis and grow Mm -hmm. as it did in the past, then here is your skilled, educated labor force, you know. So, the youth are our future, if we cannot harness them. Youth of every continent. Yes, indeed, indeed. There is absolutely nothing wrong with the youth of Europe coming into Africa and seeking Mm -hmm. a better life. Mm -hmm. But it's not going both ways. Well, it does go both Mm -hmm. ways, but not in the percentages that we see at the Mm -hmm. moment. Now, if you take the number of people who are moving from Africa into Europe, these people come from certain countries and certain regions Mm -hmm. of Africa Mm -hmm. where there is a lot of instability and poverty is perhaps more dire and so forth. But the number of people moving within Africa dwarfs the percentage of people moving from Africa to Europe. And that makes sense, right? You're going to go to a neighboring continent before you go to a different continent. Well, most of the African people prefer to migrate within Africa. Uh, Because of different uh, levels of development within Mm -hmm. our economies and different Mm -hmm. opportunities, and you know As would happen in any society those who are poor and have very little are often most prepared to share it with others Oh interesting, okay. So we don't have this type of a crisis within the African Mm -hmm. continent. Mm -hmm. You may have Incidents of, you know, uh, resistance from the local population Mm -hmm. who see the refugees or the migrants having a better life than themselves. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't go down well uh, at times. And so you, you may find opposition to that. But what is more interesting is that the migration from Africa to Europe pales into insignificance compared to the migration from the Middle East into Europe. Right now, because of the conflict situations mm-hmm. in Iraq, in Syria, Afghanistan, mm-hmm. you've got far more migrants, mm-hmm. hundreds of thousands more, coming from those countries into Europe. It seems like that's what we talk about all the
2: time right now, the Middle yes. East migration. Yes. And that's what we're afraid of, at least from my very limited view from, from what I see on the news. You, you obviously have a very different view. You
6: know, when people are fleeing for their safety and the safety Mm -hmm. of the children. Mm -hmm. You cannot sit there and begin to debate and discuss and have an intellectual discussion Mm -hmm. now. Is this person falling into this category or that category so Mm -hmm. that our legal obligations have to be met in this Mm -hmm. manner or Mm -hmm. that? All of us are signatories to international protocols and conventions, dealing with refugees Mm -hmm. and uh, people who are being persecuted, even with migrants. But when it's convenient, we want to have a different interpretation of international law. And then the morality flies out of the window. Yeah, is that because of
2: the stress it puts on the economies that the migrants are going to? Or the perception, of, perception and reality of safety? Or are there what other factors? Because I know this is a very
6: complex situation. It is indeed very complex. And all of these factors mm-hmm. play a role. One can't say that it's the one and not the other. It's mm-hmm. a combination. But what is more disturbing is that politically, we are seeing a shift from the left and center left to the extreme right politically around the world around the world okay and it's more pronounced in the eastern and central european countries
5: okay
6: where the fear has been instilled in people without any good reason as far as i'm concerned Mm -hmm. to say anyone who is different is a threat to our way of life to our value system Mm -hmm. to our societal way of life and so People who are of certain religious backgrounds, we now find there's a phobia. Yeah. You know, I don't want to pick any specific religion but, but we hear it. We hear it all the time. All the Yeah. Yeah. And if these people have a different culture, a different language that they speak, mm-hmm. then they are going to undermine whatever we have been living through. And this is simply not the case. Because the more diverse we are, the stronger we are mm-hmm. and the more enriched we become. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, we know this when I
2: have an economic portfolio, of course I want it to be diverse. And and yes. that seems like a no-brainer for most people. And yet when we look at humans, we don't apply the same
6: principles in many cases. Indeed. And, and this is uh, perhaps what is most disturbing, that we seem to be more focused on our material life than our morals and ethics and what's right Mm -hmm. and wrong. How do we help people? Mm -hmm. How do we make this world a better place? And so it was quite interesting for me to have been invited to be at the ILA conference Mm -hmm. and to give a keynote address on what I would classify as an international leadership crisis that we have. Because of the issues and because of the institutions that we have, which are no longer capable of taking us into the future. So do you have recommendations? For the people listening, what what do you want them to walk away with? Well, I I mentioned one little statement in my address yesterday to say that people want to belong. They want to feel included in decision-making processes in all aspects of life. Mm -hmm and even in leadership positions. So, we can only have inclusive leadership where we have inclusive democracies, Mm -hmm. which means we should not marginalize any segment of society based on any criteria whatsoever. We should not be elitist, exclusive. We should not be prejudiced or discriminate against people on Mm -hmm. any grounds. Let's make it an all-inclusive society where everyone belongs everyone will buy into whatever the solutions are
2: so that seems reasonable but not easy to do agreed so any suggestions on how one what would be a first step we have listeners around the world what would you Mm -hmm. recommend they do tomorrow today to be different
6: well i think people are already starting to make their voices heard particularly those who have remained voiceless Mm -hmm. up to now technology and innovation has given us the platform to be heard to be seen and to be taken note of so social media Mm -hmm. internet our communication revolution has allowed our people to organize themselves in real time Mm -hmm. and to make their views known. And they all have an impact, whether it is the economic governance issues, and and we've seen so many scandals in the Mm -hmm. corporate sector. Oh yes. Political scandals. We have way too many of these scandals which are taking us down the wrong path. We need to stop accepting mediocrity from our governments, from our corporations, from our church institutions. Yes, from local level Mm -hmm. to the global level, to the United Mm -hmm. Nations, there is ineptitude, which Mm -hmm. we need to address. And if we address that, and we are honest and sincere about it, we can bring about changes that will impact Mm -hmm. positively Mm -hmm. on every human being's life. And so what I hear you saying is,
2: as a listener, if I'm not an ambassador and that's just what you people do, but it's also my job. It's my job as a citizen, as a leader in an organization, as an employee, as a neighbor, to be inclusive of others
6: in my community who may be marginalized. Indeed. We are all activists Mm -hmm. and we are all agents of social Mm -hmm. change. Mm -hmm. So none of us should sit back and say, I'm comfortable with the status quo and I'm going to try and keep it as is.
2: I was going to say, what do you say to the person who is excluding others out of fear to protect what they have? I've got mine, it's unfortunate that you don't have yours, but if you get yours, that may
6: mean I have less. Mm -hmm. What do you say to that person or those people? Well, you know, that's where the difficulty comes in Mm -hmm. because our current system thrives on inequality.
1: Mm -hmm.
6: And hence, we have so much of poverty. Mm -hmm. If we could have a fairer distribution of wealth associated with our level of education and Mm -hmm. our ability to get the task and the job done to put our shoulders to the wheel and put in some hard work there is nothing that prevents us all Mm -hmm. from having decent accommodation access to health care and all the other social benefits having a decent job where we don't have to debate whether it's ten dollars an hour or fifteen dollars an hour minimum wage we need to be able to spread the wealth so it's an allocation issue not a scarcity issue indeed there's way too much in fact i think it's actually bordering on the criminal for people to have so much money that they don't know what to do with it and others are dying from starvation and famine you know uh, So we need more philanthropists, but we also need leadership with a vision Mm -hmm. that can take us into the future.
2: And again, I I keep wanting as I'm listening to you and the brilliance of this message, the invitation to everyone to be an activist. It is not sufficient to say this is the job of our elected officials Mm -hmm. or our ambassadors or the State Department. This is what I do in my community even if I have nothing to do with migration, or the EU, or the AU, how I treat my neighbors?
6: Yes. It's what we practice in daily life. Mm -hmm. It's what we go to pray about, Mm -hmm. seek divine intervention, guidance, you know. um, Let's put it into practice. Each one of us can make a difference, no matter how small. So imagine if all of us get together and act on something. We are certainly able to bring about change for the better.
2: You know, on that note, I can't think of a better way to end and say just such deep gratitude for making time out of a life of huge impact to have this conversation with us.
6: Thank you. Thank you very much, Marie.
2: Thank you for tuning in to the first interview of eight from the International Leadership Association Conference. We're delighted that you were able to join us. One of the themes that we're really trying to focus on in the interview series is the idea of intellectual versatility. So I realize that many of our listeners are not, in fact, international scholars, and what's happening across the globe may or may not be of immediate interest to you. So the question could be in your mind, why would I be listening to this series of interviews rather than something else I could be doing with my time? So I wanted to address that question. One of the competencies we believe is most important for the leader of the future is intellectual versatility. And we define that as seeking input from multiple perspectives, valuing diverse points of view, creating solutions to complex problems by creating new approaches that didn't exist. Pulling together constituents in a novel way and creating broader and more creative alliances. And then the third is understanding that in a time of extreme change, input from multiple stakeholders with diverse points of view is required. So, in that context, we invite you to continue to listen to the series and pull from it. I try to ask questions of each person we interviewed. What recommendations would you offer to our listeners so that they can make this practical in their daily lives? So thank you for listening. This is Maureen Metcalf. I invite your feedback either at on Facebook, Innovative Leaders, Driving Thriving Organizations, or by emailing me, info at metcalf-associates.com. I hope you find this series both insightful and useful in your daily professional lives. And that it inspires you to continue to question
1: and build your intellectual versatility. Thank you again for joining us this week. Please tune in for another edition of Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations with Maureen Metcalf next Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. We hope to see you here next week.
4: Thanks
5: again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel.